Chapter 9 of The Prince and the Pauper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Molly, Ho Chi Minh City. The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain. Chapter 9 The River Pageant. At nine in the evening, the whole vast riverfront of the palace was blazing with light. The river itself, as far as the eye could reach citywards, was so thickly covered with watermen's boats and with pleasure barges, all fringed with colored lanterns and gently agitated by the waves, that it resembled a glowing and limitless garden of flowers stirred to soft motion by summer winds. The grand terrace of stone steps leading down to the water, spacious enough to mass the army of a German principality upon, was a picture to see, with its ranks of royal halberdiers in polished armor, and its troops of brilliantly costumed servitors flitting up and down, and to and fro, in the hurry of preparation. Presently, a command was given, and immediately all living creatures vanished from the steps. Now the air was heavy with the hush of suspense and expectancy. As far as one's vision could carry, he might see the myriads of people in the boats rise up and shade their eyes from the glare of lanterns and torches and gaze toward the palace. A file of forty or fifty state barges grew up to the steps, they were richly gilt, and their lofty prows and sterns were elaborately carved. Some of them were decorated with banners and streamers, some with cloth of gold and arrows embroidered with coats of arms, others with silken flags that had numberless little silver bells fastened to them, which shook out tiny showers of joyous music whenever the breezes fluttered them others of yet higher pretensions since they belonged to nobles in the prince's immediate service had their sides picturesquely fenced with shields gorgeously emblazoned with armorial bearings each state barge was towed by a tender besides the rowers these tenders carried each a number of men-at-arms in glossy helmet and breastplate and a company of musicians the advance guard of the expected procession now appeared in the great gateway, a troop of halberdiers. They were dressed in striped holes of black and tawny, velvet caps graced at the sides with silver roses and doublets of murray and blue cloth, embroidered on the front and back with the three feathers, the prince blazon, woven in gold. Their halberd staves were covered with crimson velvet, fastened with gilt nails and ornamented with gold tassels filing off on the right and left they formed two long lines extending from the gateway of the palace to the water's edge a thick red cloth or carpet was then unfolded and laid down between them by attendants in the gold and crimson liveries of the prince this done a flourish of trumpets resounded from within a lively prelude arose from the musicians on the water. 
and two ushers with white wands marched with a slow and stately pace from the portal they were followed by an officer bearing the civic mace after whom came another carrying the city sword then several sergeants of the city guard in their full accoutrements and with badges on their sleeves then the garter king at arms in his tabard then several knights of the bath each with a white lace on his sleeve then their esquires then the judges in their robes of scarlet and coifs then the lord high chancellor of england in a robe of scarlet open before and purfled with minever then a deputation of aldermen in their scarlet cloaks and then the heads of the different civic companies in their robes of state now came twelve french gentlemen in splendid habiliments consisting of poupons of white damask bared with gold short mantles of crimson velvet lined with violet taffeta and carnation colored oats the shoulders and took their way down the steps they were of the suit of the french ambassador and were followed by twelve cavaliers of the suit of the spanish ambassador clothed in black velvet unrelieved by any ornament following these came several great english nobles with their attendants there was a flourish of trumpets within and the prince uncle the future great duke of somerset emerged from the gateway arrayed in a doublet of black cloth of gold and a cloak of crimson satin flowered with gold and rebanded with nets of silver he turned doffed his plumped cap bent his body in a low reverence and began to step backward bowing at each step a prolonged trumpet blast followed and a proclamation way for the high and mighty the lord edward prince of wales high aloft on the palace walls a long line of red tongues of flame leaped forth with a thunder crash the massed word on the river burst into a mighty roar of welcome and tom canty the cause and hero of it all stepped into view and slightly bowed his princely head he was magnificently habited in a doublet of white satin with a front piece of purple cloth of tissue powdered with diamonds and edged with ermine over this he wore a mantle of white cloth of gold pounced with the triple feathered crest lined with blue satin set with pearls and precious stones and fastened with a clasp of brilliants about his neck hung the other of the garter and several princely foreign others and wherever light fell upon him jewels responded with a blinding flash o tom canty born in the hovel bred in the gutters of london familiar with rags and dirt and misery what a spectacle is this End of chapter nine